morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream, got ready. This Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Yes, yes, I know. This is gonna air on April first. Oh yeah, let's let's go crack in. Let's just plug in all the April Fool's jokes. The only problem is that I'm recording this on the thirty-first. So no, no jokes from me today. This is all serious business. Ignore the early bird briefing, though. So we're gonna we're gonna dice up today's podcast in three sections. We're gonna have the fun news. This being all the stuff that was announced at PAX, the various Apple announcements. We're gonna have the bad news. That being Article Thirteen and more Apple news, and then the weird news, because we always end on the weird news. We're going to start with something that's a little close to home, mostly because, because, well, this podcast gained actually quite a bit of fame for our work in figuring out what was going on at Jackbox Games. Last year, there was this whole thing about them being part of a mystery company called Binge Pipe. We looked in to get more information about Binge Pipe, which led to a massive investigation on our end to pretty much discover Binge Pipe didn't exist, and we gained some notoriety because of it. This year, on the other hand, that's not the case. Jackbox has come out Right off the bat and said, yes, there is going to be a Party Pack 6. That's been made official. In addition, the starting game, no mysteries, no fake companies, just straight up. It's going to be Trivia Murder Party 2. So we're going to get a sequel of Trivia Murder Party 1, which is going to be a kind of... Trivia game where if you get questions wrong, you have to try and survive mini games. If you win, you live. If you don't, you get eliminated. There's more details than that, obviously, but that's me. It so we're just gonna get that right out of the way. I'm actually looking forward to it, mostly because well, my Twitch channel actually holds the record for number of Trivia Murder Party Easter eggs. That were discovered in the first one. So I can't wait for us and our community to dig deep into that game and try to uncover as much as we can. Alright, now with that being said, let's move on to the PlayStation's State of Play announcement. I talked a little bit about this in the middle of the week on the early bird briefing, but... This so just came out of nowhere. I mean, I mean, quick raise of hands, everyone in the chat or listening to this. If you didn't hear from me or another media outlet several days after it happened, did you know there was going to be a PlayStation State of Play last Monday? I don't think anyone did. 
The whole point of this event was to try and mimic the Nintendo Direct announcements that Nintendo's been become kind of semi-famous for. But honestly, the announcement itself, the state of play, didn't really show us much. We got Iron Man VR. We got Crash Team Racing Nitro Fuel out of that. We got No Man's Sky PlayStation VR. I can't believe No Man's Sky is still a thing, to be perfectly honest. Ready Set Heroes, Blood and Truth, Observation... Five Nights at Freddy's VR, because when I think Five Nights at Freddy, I think, yes, yes, I want that to be a VR experience. No. Concrete Genie, Days Gone, and Mortal Kombat 11. I mean, honestly... Doesn't that list seem kind of small? For a Nintendo Direct style, I mean, granted, Nintendo has done Direct events where the focus has been on one or two games, but a lot of them do just have, like, a block where they just go, hey, this is coming out, here's the trailer, bam, next. Here's a game, here's a trailer, next. Here's a game, here's a trailer, next. Here's a game, here's a trailer, next. I mean, that's what this kind of looks like. And then on top of that, just not making a big deal out of it, just really made this fly under the radar. To which I'd say, Sony, the next time you do this, listen carefully. Let people know. Free advice. Me to you. Alright. The biggest news out of PAX... Actually, honest, I mean, I'm going to say the biggest news out of PAX, but the biggest news out of PAX is going to depend on who you talk to. I'll be perfectly honest there. Because everyone's going to pay attention to news out of PAX for what games they're interested, interested in. But at PAX, it was, ma- it was confirmed Gearbox is making a Borderlands 3. In addition... They are. They have already released a remastering of Borderlands 1, 2, and the pre-sequel. And if you already own it on PC, you are getting those upgrades for free. Not gonna lie, I'm excited. I actually do want to see how it looks, how these new ones look. Especially now that I've got a higher-end system, a more dedicated system... Just for PC gaming. I think the last time I played this, it was still just one box trying to do both gaming and streaming. And it only had one CPU in it. God. Those were those were rough days. Now, as far as Borderlands 3 goes, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it here. Because to be perfectly honest, we don't know much other than it exists. We've seen some existing characters from the previous games in it. We know Lilith is there. We know 
that um, Maya, or was it Mara? No, Maya. Maya is there from the previous game. We know Tiny Tina's in it and more grown up. That's about it. We don't actually have a whole lot of info. So I'm going to, I'm going to, that's pretty much where I'm going to leave Borderlands 3. I can't wait to hear more, and I can't wait to hear when we are expected to see it. Is it going to be a release during the holiday season? Are they still a few years off? We don't know. The only people that know are the developers themselves. Though that being said, their event was... uh. Oof. Like, no joke, the Gearbox event just had a whole, whole lot of glitches. It was not pretty. Ooh. I, I feel really, really bad for them. I'm, I'm not going to judge them for having technical difficulties like some people are. Like, all I can really do is just, just shake my head and go, man, been there. Xiaomi now has a super cell phone charger that can charge a phone from dead to full in 17 minutes. And I say full, I mean like 90%, because once you get to about 90%, they have to, on a big charger like that, cut down the amount of power they put in there drastically. Because otherwise, they then they can overvolt the battery and cause fires, and nobody wants that. This is still insane, though. A hundred watt phone charger. Most of the laptop chargers nowadays aren't even 100 watts. Things like the MacBooks are 30 watts. My little 12-inch one is a 65-watt charger. I mean, my mobile workstation 180, but we're not talking about that. It's, it's absurd. That's crazy. I actually do want to kind of see the size of this thing. Is it actually going to be, like, the size of my water bottle in the amount of how massive this thing is going to be? Hopefully, though, it does remain stable and it doesn't run into any sort of problems such as overloading a battery and causing it to catch fire. Because those are... Some pretty big deals. Some news from the Steam versus Epic war that is going on. Bethesda are is putting their games back on Steam and ignoring the Epic Game Store. I, for one, am glad that I don't have to go install yet another game store onto my gaming rig. Just be able to get Bethesda's glitches that that accidentally become a game. But it is interesting that Epic gets snubbed here, because they totally 
could have just put their games out on both. There is nothing stopping them. The only thing I can assume stopped them was either A, Bethesda just didn't like what the Epic Game Store is doing with all these exclusivity deals, or B, they did go to Epic, Epic wanted to get them on an exclusivity deal, and Bethesda walked. I have no way of knowing which is true. But those are the two theories I present. And if it is, if it is the latter one, honestly, I gotta give a round of applause to Bethesda in that regard just because the amount of exclusivity deals that Epic is trying to gain is getting to the point where the Epic Game Store went from something that I praised as competition to Steam and with more competition meaning that more developers can keep more money in their pocket and be a win-win for everyone to being a... Now, hold on here. Why are you trying to keep all the games for yourself? Because that's what it's starting to seem like. Though, maybe I'm overreacting to that. Who knows? Telegram has now released a feature on their app that lets you delete a message. That what doesn't matter whether, you, whether you've sent it or not. You delete the message, it gets deleted on your end, and it gets deleted on the recipient's end. No matter how old it is. Now, of course, that doesn't stop anyone from just taking a screenshot and saving that. And also, I would still recommend that you just take responsibility for your own messages and just not send anything terribly incriminating that you want to delete anyway. But that being said, why is this not a feature on more services? Like, seriously. I know the, the biggest messaging app I use, of course, is Discord. That has it. But, like, why isn't this thing on, on, say, oh, I don't know, Twitter? For that fact, why is there not an... Why is there not an edit button on Twitter for that fact? I mean, I'd say, why is this not a feature on Facebook? But for all I know, it actually is. And also, for that fact, even if it was a feature on Facebook, I wouldn't believe Facebook! <laughs> I'm fairly certain you delete something on Facebook and it just ultra saves it somehow. There is more rumors coming out that there are going to be two Nintendo Switch models. We've kind of talked about this in the past, but more and more this is being talked about in the fact that we could have a grand total of three Nintendo Switch models. The classic one, a smaller, lower-powered one, and a bigger, enhanced version. Now, this is something that 
I still kind of scratch my head on. Because here's the thing when it comes to a game console. A game console's strength comes from the fact that it uses the same hardware. And that developers know it is always going to be this hardware. It is always going to be, in the case of the Switch, a quad-core ARM chip. It is always going to be whatever the NVIDIA GPU is on that um, NVIDIA SoC. What is the chip on the Switch? What CPU is on the the Switch? I remember it's an NVIDIA SoC, but I can't remember what the GPU is. It is a Maxwell-based GPU. Specifically, it's using the NVIDIA Tegra X1. Alright, so let's say... Let's say the higher-end version uses... A souped-up version of the NVIDIA, NVIDIA Tegra. That means that all of a sudden now we've got to try and get... It would have to be the exact same CPU, so it would have to be the, specifically the ARM Cortex-A57, along with the ARM Cortex-A53, there's actually two quad-core CPUs in there, and if you want to know why, well, one of them is higher clock speed and built for when the thing's in the dock, and the other one's lower clock speed and built for when it's out of the dock. It's a feature that's been around for a while in ARM. And then you've got the 256-core Maxwell GPU that's on there. Well, how much bigger could you make that Maxwell GPU and not have it be so different that games wouldn't function right? I mean, this raises a lot of questions, and it's not like the Switch has an open API like you do on PCs. You can't just plug in a higher-end GPU inside a Switch and just say, this is going to work faster -er." Like, for example, let's pretend that my gaming desktop over here which admittedly is a little older, but not too bad. As an example, it currently has a GTX 780 in there. How much more room do I have to go? I could only go up to a 780 Ti and still be the same architecture. If I pop in, say, an NVIDIA RTX 2080, on a PC, that doesn't matter, because you use open APIs, everything's going to work properly. On the Switch, you don't have that. So I am curious what chips are going to be used. I, For anyone who is trying to dream that this higher-end, more expensive version of the Switch is going to be able to compete with, say, like, the PS4 Pro or the Xbox One X... For performance, I just don't see that happening. There's just no way. To top it all off, it's not like you can 
just create a better cooling solution inside a bigger switch. You, you, there's only so much room you can put so much fins in. As for the smaller, lower-powered version, same sort of story. I mean, it's a Tegra X1. What's lower than that and still on the same architecture? There really isn't. There isn't a Tegra X0, and there isn't really a Tegra X2. But of course, I'm just a... I'm just a tech enthusiast. I'm not an engineer by any stretch of the imagination. So, there could be something here that I just don't know. So... We will see. For all we know, this is just more rumor-mongering, and it's just these rumors are finally taking hold. Alright. Let's switch to the Apple news. There is a ton. Underline a ton of Apple news. Apple had a press event on Monday where they announced a lot of services, including the Apple Arcade. The Apple Video Game Subscription Service. Now, when this came out, when when I first heard, I I actually I'll 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 admit something right now. I missed this live. My first hearing of what was announced was through Twitter. And at first, like a lot of you probably did, I thought this was going to be another Skadia clone. Where Apple servers would do all the compute and it would just stream the image to you. Which, by the way, as we experiment with our Steam Link, is not the best experience in the world, but it is serviceable. The Apple Arcade works offline. And that's a big deal. It does not require a server. Huzzah, huzzah. So the way the Apple Arcade works is that you pay an unknown amount of money, it's not known at this point, and you gain access to the 100 plus games that it's in its catalog for your Apple device, whether it be your Mac you paid way too much money for and isn't that good, your iPad that you're indifferent about, your iPhone that you're have mixed feelings about, but probably are really okay with, or your Apple TV. What makes Apple Arcade work, and what makes Apple Arcade something that I actually encourage other co- other companies to copy this, is that Apple forbids the games from data mining and forbids in-app purchases. Like, here's the biggest problem right now with mobile gaming. And I'm not talking on your Switch or on your Game Boy. I mean actual on-your-phone mobile gaming. What is the overwhelming majority of mobile games? They're a kind of game called 
gotcha games. And I don't mean gotcha like, aha, I gotcha. But it does feel like that. Gotcha means that the game revolves around a loot box-like system. You pay real money for fake money and then pay fake money for loot boxes in which you gain things that have a rarity score to them. And that simulates money, and it's, it simulates money, it simulates gambling because it kind of is. If you exclude gotcha games from mobile, mobile has very few games. Very, very few at all. Now, the Apple Arcade, on the other hand, that's that's forbidden. And in fact, a lot of small developers are making what we as gamers would call classical style games. Where it is just a game that you just go in and play it. And a lot of these games are very independent. Like, very much so. With the only exception being the Lego game, and, kind of surprising, they were very quiet about this, there's a Shantae game in the Apple Arcade. Like, Apple, dude! You want to get us gamers on board with your Apple Arcade? Just say, hey, we have Shantae. The developers of Shantae had to announce they were on the Apple Arcade. Not a peep from them. The only way you would actually know this without looking at the developer is the fact that on the Apple page, in their little, like, beautiful... Like, moving background here, they have advertising for it. They have a grand total of 10 frames of the Shantae game in there. That's it! (laughs) The rest of the page doesn't talk about it at all. It talks about where the cards fall. We've never heard of that. The Pathless, we've never heard of that. Lego Brawls, we've heard of Legos. We Hot Lava, never heard of that. Ocean Horn 2, I've never heard of that. Maybe someone else has. Beyond a Steel Sky. And that's it. Even on, like, the little marquee thing down here of showing, like, titles and then screenshots, I don't even think Shantae is anywhere there! And that was easily, aside from Lego... The most notable one there. There's Sonic Racing in this. Not a peep. Look, I get you want to support any developers. But if you just tell me, hey, go enjoy Oceanhorn 2. I'm going to look at you and go, who? So, I'm glad that the Apple Arcade exists. I think the way they're going about it is going to be a problem. And I think Apple needs to re-look at how they're doing this. But then again, they are also Apple, so... 
any advice I give them is going to fall on deaf ears and they're going to succeed despite their obliviousness. They also announced Apple TV Plus, a TV subscription service with a whole bunch of features I already forgot because I really, really don't care. I know the Apple TV Plus thing's a big deal. It's also a big deal that the Apple TV app is going to be available on more than just the Apple TV, including Roku. They're going to have their own custom programming from made by producers that I've never heard of in my entire life, except for Oprah. That's it. That's all I have to contribute to Apple TV+. Plus. We don't know a day. We don't know... The only thing we have is a time frame. We don't even have a price on that one, much like with Apple Arcade. We also have Apple News. Apple News... I'm sorry, Apple News Plus. Apple News Plus will include the ability to get news from magazines. The second least reliable source of news... Yeah, go figure. Now, I vaguely remember during the during the presentation, and admittedly, it's been almost a week since the uh, since the press announcement. I remember them opening up and saying that Apple News is one of the most reliable sources of news, and then pitched that you can get magazines for a subscription fee of ten dollars a month. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time connecting these dots. There, there's just too much distance between them. One of these things is not like the other. I'm sorry, but no. I think that one's just not going to go very far. I mean, when I think of magazines, I think entertainment that you might learn something from, not actual, like, good news. Now, I say it... Now, granted, part of that news plus is actual newspapers. But that was literally a subnote under all the magazines. Which just kind of, once again, makes me kind of look at Apple and go, why? Alright, and then the last thing they announced, and I know I went out of order, this is actually one of the first things they announced, is the Apple Card. I'll be perfectly honest. I I do I am not injecting any sarcasm into this. The sentence I'm about to say contains no sarcasm. I know that's rare to hear from me. Are you ready? The Apple Card is a legitimate game changer in the world of finance. No sarcasm. As weird as the Apple Card is, as Apple going in and making a credit card, this actually is a big deal. And possibly the biggest deal out of the four things they announced. 
So let's explain first. The Apple Card is just that. It's a credit card that you can sign up for on your iPhone, and it will be a virtual card. You can track everything in real time on the card because it's part of your iPhone. It is able to intelligently, with the power of Apple Pay, or is it iPay? I'm having a hard time now of keeping track of what everything Apple names. Because we've now gone over this transition of naming everything iBlank to Apple logo blank. Legitimately losing track. I digress. So, you sign up, painless, simple, and it just works wherever there's wherever Apple Pay is accepted. You can also get a physical card that will work everywhere else. The physical card has pretty much no information printed on it anywhere. And it just works chip only. No magnetic strip. You are able to keep track how much you have spent on the card. You are able to pay within the app. You are able to keep track of where the card has been used. Any information for online payments, you can always access through the app. The reward system is just straight up cash back. That is then put on another card that you just use as a debit. Plain and simple. 2% at everywhere that you use your app. 1% cash back if you use your physical card. And 3% of you use it in an Apple store because, of course. So, why is this a game changer? Now, first thing, of course, they did partner up with a bank to make this card happen. They partnered up with Goldman Sachs. Which bank they partner up for is almost irrelevant, but still matters a little bit. The key is that this gets around the complicated reward system. That's just pretty much axed out. No one has to care about it anymore. This gets around the limitations of where you can use it. This can, in fact, be used pretty much worldwide. So there is no more going overseas and getting the thing locked out because the credit card provider is U.S. only or anything like that. This gets rid of a lot of the problems that trying to use currency across seas presents. And the fact that it's so brain-dead simple to set up can make this a very big deal in the world of finance. Now, with that being said, I still wish that the iPhone still had a fingerprint reader on it rather than the face cam for two-factor authentication there, but there we are with that. 
So that is our four services that were announced from Apple. That also ends all the good news. Let's get into some of the bad news, shall we? Or rather, let's get into some of the eh news. Photos have leaked of what is supposedly going to be the iPhone 11 or who knows. Maybe this thing's just going to be called the iPhone X2. I don't know. I've kind of given up on trying to figure out Apple's naming scheme. I used to understand it, much like NVIDIA's GPU naming scheme. Now it means nothing. Now no one knows. But anyway, the iPhone 11, based on leaked schematics of the back plate, will more than likely contain three cameras. And if you think they're going to be in a nice bar like they are on the Galaxy S10, well, you'd be wrong. They're going to be in like a triangle form in the upper right-hand corner. I mean, honestly, I'm not a fan of this design, but at the same time... The moment Apple makes any sort of design that's just new, for the first two days, everyone goes, ew, that's ugly, and then loves it. Like, that's the thing. When I first saw this, I was ready to come up with, like, a half-hour rant about why this design sucks and why this is going to be the fuggliest thing on the planet. But it doesn't matter. Because every single time I think that a Apple design looks bad. Two days later after seeing the, the finished product goes. Well, that's actually not that bad. That's actually its own kind of unique style. Though that being said, I still do don't like the Apple Watch look. Circular watch faces for life, man. So there we go. We, we've got pretty good evidence that camera uh, camera 11, that the iPhone 11 will most likely have three rear-facing cameras on one of them, on one of the phones. Here's some more interesting Apple news. Apple canceled the air power charging mat. This was announced a couple years ago, back when the iPhone 10 was first launched. And what it was supposed to be was just that it's a wireless charging mat. You set your wireless devices down on it, including the iPhone 10, the Apple Watch, and eventually your AirPods, and they would just wirelessly charge on them. And it's not like this is a weird, foreign, strange, alien technology. We've had this for a while. Heck, I had one for my Galaxy S... Whatever the heck I had before. What did I have before? S6? Yeah, I think S6. I think I had a wireless charger for that. And now that I'm back on an S10... 
I'm using it again. I gotta ask. What happened? It's not like this is a weird, strange technology. Like I said, these exist. How hard was it for Apple to make a wireless charging mat and just give it their little perfectly white aluminum circular look or whatever they want to do with it? I just don't get it. And everyone else is just going to kind of go, they canceled a product. It's the first time they've ever canceled an announced product. I'm more curious as to how. How did you mess this up? Of course, though, the odds of me ever finding out how they messed this up will probably never be known. All right. We've been putting this story off long enough. (sighs) Let's talk about the European Copyright Directive. I know. I know. I've been trying to put it off as long as I could. So... What is it? That's probably the biggest question. Because the news that first went around is that Article 13 passed. Let's get one thing out of the way right away. Article 13 did not pass. It's worse than that. Because if you've only been casually following this, you've been hearing about Article 13, Article 11, Article 17, and you've been thinking they are three different laws. And they are not. They are one law or one directive. And that entire directive passed. So, what does it mean? It does mean that... And yes, as Zyfreaks in the chat mentioned, Article 13 and 17 are the same. Which makes this incredibly difficult to wrap your head around. That did not help that Article 13 ended up getting renamed to Article 17. Here's basically what we're just going to call for the sake of ease, because this is how everyone knows it. I'm going to call this Article 13 easy mode. What happened? Content service providers that are located in the EU must now moderate their the content that is uploaded by their users or be held responsible if copyright is broken. 
there is very vague language in it that says that images that are memes or GIFs are excluded. It, however, does not exclude audio, as far as I'm aware. And granted, I have tried to read through this thing several times. I didn't read an article about it. I read the actual articles. Don't read the articles. You will go insane. Legalese is easily the worst language in the world. By far. Without a doubt. In addition, as far as I'm aware, according to these various various articles, hot linking to a news article will no longer result in attacks unless under certain certain specification this is such a mess i don't think anyone actually knows what this all includes to be perfectly honest the important thing is that this thing being the meme killer is not going to happen but it does mean there might be some major changes especially if you're in the eu as far as what you can upload, if you're a entertainer, a streamer, a YouTuber, or whatever, there could be some major, major issues with using certain content. Like, say, for example, if you have a soundboard and it uses copyrighted audio from, say, a movie. Like, for example, oh, say you, um, you, you had a command that users could use to have the sound clip from the office of what's his name that I'm blanking on the complete name of saying, no God, that's copyrighted. That might be a problem. Or say if you end your stream in a very old song known as happy trails by Roy Rogers, that could be a problem. If you have a chat open jukebox, that could be a major problem. What is really going to be telling is to what degree the platforms go to to enforce censorship. Like, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, I don't think YouTube's going to change all that much. Like, you, you're looking at me crazy right now. I don't think YouTube is going to change a whole lot because of, quote-unquote, Article 13 being passed. Mostly because they've already been so anal about copyright copyrighted content that, yeah... This is going to be a big problem, though, for, say, a smaller platform. However, there's language in there to say that they are... They do not have to follow the directive as closely, but don't say specifically how. 
Now, if you're worried about the entire internet changing overnight, it won't. The directive states that the various states of the European Union have until 2021 to enforce it. I would say over the next year, the various platforms are going to start implementing measures and not start putting it into full effect until 2020. That's my guess. We'll see how things go. I am hoping that it's not going to be as bad as everyone thinks it is. That this will be another case of, say, oh, I don't know, net neutrality. The thing is, is that whereas the net neutrality thing has been kind of, has it, I mean, net neutrality has been honestly hilariously overblown, but is still a big deal. The problem is with the Article 13 is that it's kind of hard not to, it's kind of hard to overblow it because this is a big deal. I mean, the way, the way it's written does not give any sort of window of fair use. Like, for example, here in the U.S., we have, we have something very similar. We, we do have the DMCA. But that specifically has a clause in it for what is fair use. And part of that is the fact that you can use any sort of copyright material for less than eight seconds. So say my entire soundboard is under fair use. It is both used for satirical purposes and it is under eight seconds. It is, there's no question about it. But there's no such thing in the copyright directive for the EU. And what's going to be a big deal is, again, when when these platforms go and make their various bots and whatnot to enforce, quote-unquote, Article 13, will it leak outside of it? Will this accidentally become a set of laws that govern the majority of the internet, not just the EU or will it just not go anywhere I'm hoping for the latter but I have a hard time seeing how it's going to be the latter I mean let's be honest is there anyone who's happy this past No, because this even makes it a hard time, even for the copyright holders. Literally stifling creativity. All right, well, I'm thoroughly depressed. Let's instead talk about how uh, Office Depot (laughs) accidentally rigged it so that PC malware scans to sell unneeded tech support. I want to be clear with this. This is not a bug. 
this is an actual legitimate scam run by Office Depot. Talk about yikes. And then people wonder why people come to some nobody like me for tech support. The PC malware scan would literally detect viruses that did not exist and then sell $300 tech support plans to fix viruses that did not exist. You know, I'm not going to lie. Back when I was fully in the business of tech support and for refurbishing computers, my entire thing has been, you know, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to call me. Don't hesitate to send me an email. Don't click buy anything on any sort of antivirus that tells you that you need to buy this or, or more viruses are going to happen. But I always said that because there were, like, fake pop-ups pretending to be antiviruses and then saying you had to call in order to fix it. Now Office Depot is getting into the scams. Like, wow! Here, here's here's the part I love the the most about this. Who at Office Depot greenlit this? The reason Shady Ch- Ted over in Nigeria can get a, get away with this is because he knows no one's gonna find him. What Office Depot? You thought no one was gonna catch you? You thought no one was going to find you? You have big neon signs specifically so people can find you! What were you thinking? (laughs) For crying out loud. Like, that's the part that, that really gets me. The sole reason that a lot of people have faith in these bigger sort of retail operations is because they're a bigger retail operation. They know that if any, that if they would try some sort of shady nonsense like this, they would be caught immediately and have to shell out millions of dollars. Guess what? They were caught and had to shell out millions of dollars because they are a giant, well-known company for crying out loud. Now, in defense of Office Depot, they were working with, quote, a partner company to pull off this scam. We don't know who the partner company is. It could have been a case of shaking hands hands with Shady Sam... And just not realizing that Shady Sam Sam was going to be shady. Maybe. Maybe that was the case in Office Depot's defense. (sighs) 
At the same time, I can't stress this enough. If you need tech support, go to a smaller tech support firm. Just, 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 just go to a smaller place. I mean, on one hand, I totally understand going to a bigger, more reliable place, but you know, mom and pop's computer repair will more than likely treat you fine. That's always been my experience when going, going through <laughs> these sort of things. Uh, all right. Let's also talk about how. Um, Oh, actually, here's a here's a question: Is it the amount of money they they made off the scam, or more about the money they're fined by the FTC? If yes, this is going to happen. So, let's see here. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure what the fine was. Oh, it was support.com. That was the other. Uh, that was the other company. My bad. I did miss that. It's support.com that that was the other partner company. Whoops. As far as I'm aware, the $35 million was a settlement as part of a sue. I don't think there's actually been a fine issued yet by the FTC. From what I can see in this article. Quickly skimming, quickly skimming, quickly skimming. Yeah, it doesn't look like there is actually a fine issued by the FTC. The $35 million was just paid out in a, in a class action lawsuit by the looks of it. All right, let's talk about how Microsoft is swapping out Cortana for Amazon Alexa in Skype. I mean, is there really much more to say, actually, than that? Inside Skype, we are no longer going to have Cortana. We're going to have Alexa. So, a couple of things. One... Why? I mean, I get that Cortana on Windows 10 is near useless, but then again, actually, all the experience I've had with the Cortana Assistant in Windows 10 has been mediocre at best, but that was mostly because every time I tried to experiment with it, I tried using my mic here which was usually either a blue snowball or a blue Yeti. And, well, Cortana did not like playing nice with it. There were so many false positive hits, it's not even funny. But at the same time, I look at my... I'm trying to think how to describe it without setting it off. My Echo Dot... Which just gets set off randomly. I can't even count how many times while I'm streaming, you guys hear me just take off my headphones, look over there, and go, what in blazes was she saying now? I was half say expecting her to say something right there. 
And of course, because my mic is intentionally not set sensitive enough, no one on the stream hears it. Now, I haven't used Skype in ever. And by ever, I mean like Windows 7. What does Cortana even do on Skype? What if you say call Shady Sam, you get, uh, you, you, she just goes and calls her? <laughs> Rico in the chat just says her best. Oof. <laughs> like, I don't even see what the purpose is of a digital assistant on an, on an application like Skype. So then with that being said, what's the purpose of Alexa on an application like Skype? But of course, I wouldn't include a story like this in here without making some kind of bigger picture point. When was the last time you actually used Cortana? Like I said on the Windows 10, like I said with Windows 10... Never used her. I'm willing to bet those of you with not a condenser studio mic, but with actual pinhole mics, I'm willing to bet none of you have ever used it Used it either. You probably used it, much like me, the day you got your free upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 10, and you're like, oh, I have a digital assistant. Hey, Cortana, what time is it? I am not apologizing for setting off anyone's Cortana, by the way. And you're just like, eee, the computer talked to me. This will be just like Star Trek. And then you forgot she existed the next day. I guarantee that's what the overwhelming majority of you listening to me right now did. You played around with it day one when you got your Windows 10 upgrade. And then you never did it again. And then the moment you accidentally set it off, you went into the settings and disabled it. In that order. And then anytime after that you've reformatted, Cortana is the first thing you disable, just like Zyfreak in the chat said. <laughs> My point is, I think this is a first step for Microsoft to just say, you know what? We're done. We've tried a lot of effort into Cortana. We've done our best. We made a product that was mediocre to slightly above average. And I would say this is the first step to killing Cortana. Period. And you know, honestly, a little part of me is a little sad for that. Despite the fact that I have not used her in literal years. Oh, well. We'll see, though. I, I could be wrong. It wouldn't be the first time I've been wrong. Just like I thought it would be a long time before we saw a flying gun, but Russia proved me wrong there.
the Russian state-owned armed manufacturer that I'm going to hilariously mispronounce called Almaz Anti has made a flying drone semi-automatic rifle. I had nothing to contribute to this story, to be perfectly honest. I just wanted to let you know. This is the world you live in now. You have to share the same air as a flying gun. Yes, it's going to be just like the gun with legs that was teased in Borderlands 3, which was probably a joke and not actually in the game. But the thing is, there's a difference between the guns with legs from Borderlands 3 and the flying rifle from Russia. The flying rifle from Russia is real! (laughs) Oh, wow. This, This is a real thing that real people have made. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm also not sure how I feel about Comcast spending $50 million in South Philly to create the United States' first eSports arena. That is also a real thing that we now share the same world with. There is an eSports arena in the U.S. Now, of course, my live chat here just had to ask, why? And I'll be perfectly honest, Despite the fact that I am a Twitch streamer, despite the fact that I go that I do everything in my power to be as informed about the tech news as possible, I have a confession to make. Esports is the one area I f- pay the least attention to. I think I pay more attention to local dog catcher elections than I do the esports arena. And much like Megalith in the chat, I am surprisingly okay with this thing existing. Like, I'm actually kind of curious, like, I mean, of course the main arena section is just going to be, like, a, a semicircle arena sort of thing, gazing down on a big screen with big podiums where, of course, the computers are going to be and whatnot, why Comcast is involved with this. Well, I mean, who else is going to be involved with this? I mean, realistically. I mean, if someone was going to going to help fund it, I mean, I mean, is it going to be Comcast or some other major company? It's just roll, roll the dice. Bam, it's Comcast. Oh, Comcast is based in South Philly. That's probably why. Or based in Philadelphia in general. So yeah. That's that. 
but getting back to my point, I am curious to see what the other smaller venues in the arena are going to be. Like, I I live near Milwaukee. Okay? I'm not going to say specifically what city I live in, but I'm in what is considered the greater Milwaukee area in southeast Wisconsin. We've had two new arenas built built here in the last... Oh, God, is it over a decade now? I think it actually has been. Man, we've had the we've had the the baseball stadium for the Brewers built. God, I think 15 years ago or something like that. And we've had the new Bucks Arena, a for a basketball that was recently built. Both of them had a whole bunch of of various restaurants and a whole bunch of various fan experiences built into the arena. Because nowadays sports arenas, they're not about just the team and the game. They're about providing a unique experience so that those who actually go to see a game also have plenty of other things to do before and after the game. Kind of like a miniature kind of sort of amusement park but not really so i'm actually curious will there be many little land parties in this video gaming arena will there be like a little computer parts place is there some place where you can go and Learn how to build some super esports quality gaming rig or something or another. I, I'm curious. I want to know what else is going to be there besides the arena. That might be the only reason why I'm going to follow this story. Or a VR demo area. Exactly. Exactly, Megalith. This is actually something that could be very fascinating to check out. Unlike our last Burb story, this is the last Burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Domino's is including a pizza ordering app on newer cars. Not as a, oh, hey, open up the Domino's app on your phone and sling it up to the infotainment screen in your car. No, built into your car would be the ability to order a Domino's pizza. Why? <laughs> of all the stories I I read to put together... Today's episode, it included a game that had a gun with legs in it. It included a flying gun. It included an esports arena. It included so... It included freaking Apple making a credit card. It included an Apple credit card. But this was the story that made me stare at the screen and go, why? And for those of you who thought... For a, for a second, 
that you would be able to order this in your car and have it delivered to your car, let me tell you how wrong you are. You still need a valid address. Your car is still not a valid address. So the only use case for this is to, hopefully before you're driving, place your order for your pizza on your infotainment screen and then drive home and hope that you can beat the pizza guy home. I just, here's a crazy idea. You see, they have this crazy thing called a cell phone. I, I don't know if you've heard of this, but they have phones now where you can just put in the order to any pizza place you want, whether it be Domino's, Pizza Hut, or any place that's actually good. And just set it to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to be home till 6. Can you guys have the pizza ready and deliver it by 6? Almost every pizza place does that. And you know what the best part is? I don't have to be in my car to do it! (laughs) This is the part that blows me away! You have to be in the car. And the worst part is, is that the only pro of this would be that you could theoretically do this while you're driving, but I want you to imagine that for a minute. Leaning over, holding your car or steering wheel with one hand, and fumbling with the touchscreen with the other. It's a dumb, stupid, and dangerous idea. There are going to be more accidents because of this app, aren't there? That's going to do it for me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to check out my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon, and also our daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which you can find on iTunes, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever you found this one as well. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Hey, so Pizza Hut, um, when are you coming out with your own car app? And when you start thinking about doing that, can you just do me a solid and don't? Okay, thanks. Also, how do I di- how do I uninstall the Domino's, Domino's Pizza app from my car? How do I install apps on my car? I have so many questions. And the more and more I ask, the more and more I think my old car is just fine. 
I have PenFed, that's a fact. I have PenFed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.